It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Marie, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're doing Kyle McCord. We are about two weeks out from the start of spring football practice for Ohio State, and there is a quarterback competition on the docket. Second year, Devin Brown. Third year, Kyle McCord and Nathan Baird. You have been talking to people to get a handle on who Kyle McCord is and how he reached this point. Talk to both his parents, talk to people who sort of helped prepare him to be a quarterback. And we're going to delve into that on this podcast. There's, yeah, it's not just three guys yakking, there's reporting behind this podcast. And there is a story at cleveland.com slash OSU that people listening to this podcast can go read if they want to consume it with their eyeballs instead of their earballs. But let me start here because I have some other things about first-year quarterbacks. There's just the Stephen. The thing you said to me a, po- a couple podcasts ago about how whenever Ohio State has a first-year starting quarterback, I'm like, "Well, that's it. They're done." Has just stuck in my head, and so I've gone back and and looked at Ohio State, what they're like when they have a first-year starting quarterback, what they're like when they have a veteran quarterback returning, and like it's a brain worm, Stephen. Like I can't. I can't stop thinking about that idea and generally how first-year starting quarterbacks should be viewed in this age of college football when, you know, like his first year as a starter at Alabama, Bryce Young won the Heisman and led Alabama to the national championship game and handed Georgia its only loss. And then in his second year as a starter, Alabama wasn't as good. Like, is it just, is it anything? And we'll get more into the details, but just off the top, because it's a brain worm for me. Steven, is it, what is a first year starting quarterback in your mind? Is it anything or is it like, who cares? All these guys are good at the best programs, whether it's year one or year two, they're going to be good. I think it's a parachute for the first four weeks of the season, depending on what your schedule looks like. If the guy doesn't, if he has a deer in the headlights moment you go oh because he's never done this before that's all it is but I think so much of it outside of that is what's around you Bryce Young won the Heisman well he also had Jamison Williams as his wide receiver Alabama was a very good football team that year you know CJ Stroud had some deer in the headlight moments while also having some injury stuff but I mean he was a Heisman Trophy finalist why he had three first round 
picks at wide receiver for him and a pretty good running back who flashed every bit of that five-star talent that he was coming out of high school. And so when you think of a Dwayne Haskins, first-year starting quarterback, what did he have? A veteran group of wide receivers who were ready to go and ready to carry the load if Dwayne Haskins didn't always look good the first couple of weeks. Justin Fields, what did he have? One of the best defenses we've seen from Ohio State in the past decade. That probably helps because there were some – as good as he was that year, he had some ball control issues in some big games that year with some fumbles, but it didn't matter because he had Chase Young and Jeff Okuda on the other side. So now that was we talk about Kyle McCord in that same instance, okay, he's a first-year starting quarterback. He's been here for three years, but he's still a first-year starting quarterback. What does he have? The best wide receiver in the country, another guy who might be the second best wide receiver in the country and a third guy who is a veteran at this point and played a lot of minutes the weapons around him make up for the fact that he doesn't have the experience so as much as it is the parachute of he's never done it before so let's hold our horses until we see it maybe we should pay less attention to that with these elite programs and more attention to what's around them that's going to make that not, not not matter as much i didn't ask the textures because we're going to have plenty of time and we will absorb everybody's thoughts about this. But we just haven't seen enough of Kyle McCord, I think, for anybody to have a real handle. I am curious sort of what the general vibe is. But I wanted this podcast to focus on, Nathan, what what you've been reporting and, and in talking to people. But, Nathan, what would you say – what do you think – the vibe is among Ohio State fans entering spring football, knowing that C.J. Stroud is headed to the NFL and that Ohio State will have a new starting quarterback in 2023. Do you think people are are just curious? Are they worried? Do they assume Ohio State will be great? Are they thinking there might be some early season problems? What, what do you think people think? Well, just from the people that we've heard from, um, there's real reason for optimism. And I think they feel that I think they, because of everything Steven was saying, as far as the talent that's already on this roster, but also the track record of Ohio state now going back to, I mean, when do you want to start counting? I mean, at least to, to before Ryan day got here, but, it, but certainly since he's been here with, you know, passing from Haskins to fields to Stroud, you know, very different quarterbacks and, and somehow the next guy always seems to have it together. Now, part of that is coming into a, always coming into a program that has a really strong foundation and the good things around it. But also each of those guys has executed at a very high level as a quarterback. Like the, the stakes keep going up in terms of the efficiency that's now expected of you, the, the explosive efficiency really that is now expected of you as a quarterback that you can put up these big numbers, but you're doing it at a, a very precise way. And I think they look at the competition that's going on right now and say, well, either Comcord wins the job, which means, you know, that was plan A. He was brought in to be a quarterback, to be the starting quarterback here. It took three years just because of the time he came in, but he's right on track. And now he's just the five-star quarterback that is taking the job now. Or Devin Brown wins out and they're like, oh my gosh, look at what we might have here. Like this guy year two is as um, overcome the experienced guy in front of him and is the guy that Ohio State feels like has to be on the field. Like, I, I think they look at that and see a win-win potentially in the way that this quarterback battle goes because they haven't seen one also go wrong in a while. And the time, the last time it went wrong wasn't because the guys that they had to choose from were wrong. It's because of the, you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, Doug, you experienced it, but it was more the process by which they came to a decision or didn't come to a decision. Are you referencing 2015? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they screwed that up. So there is uh, 
we'll go back and we'll talk about that a little bit. And we'll talk about what Ohio State has been like with first-year starting quarterbacks and with veteran starting quarterbacks, and if there's a difference there at all. But let's start with Kyle McCord. Let's start with this guy. And I and I will say, you know, just going back and, and watching him and the couple things he got to do last year, some of his high school highlights and stuff, he does – He's a cup on the roster at least. He was listed a little bit heavier than CJ Stroud. He's listed at 6'3, 222. But CJ is like a big physical guy. And Kyle McCord's a big physical guy. He's got a little size to him. He um has mobility to him. It doesn't take much, Steven, when you watch Kyle McCord to understand what Ryan Day saw, to understand what any person recruiting him saw because he does look like one one of those guys where he's just you know he's kind of bigger than the guys around him on the field but he's also very athletic compared to the guys around him on a high school football field and he's putting passes on guys hands and there really does seem to be Stephen just like a pretty nice total package of skills here in terms of uh, the kind of quarterback you would scout coming out of high school yeah, the, the arm talent is probably undeniable. And just from that standpoint, regardless of who was winning jobs, he might have had the best just natural arm talent of the guys he's been in the room with the last two, two and a half years here. At this, I mean, stronger than anybody else, almost to the point that there were times in the summer when he, um, Mecca, Marvin, all first, and Jaden Ballard all first got here, where you could, you could hear it when they would throw before and after these camps. And sometimes it would be a little too hard and they'd have to tell them to calm down with some of these passes. But it, it, the arm talent is why he is a five-star recruit. Just like if what it's almost what made CJ Stroud a top 50 recruit in the end while that mind started showing up and it started blossoming. Why was Jack Miller at a certain level? Because he had some poise in the pocket with Kyle McCord with, I mean, we saw what, what it was with Quinn Ewers with Kyle McCord. The reason he's a five-star he's he's got a pretty strong arm where there's not a throw that's not going to be available to him next year for Ryan Day in this offense if he wins the job. You just look at, and, and we're going to compare him to some of the other quarterbacks in his class, like Drake May at North Carolina was in his class. Drake May, who's been chucking it around for the Tar Heels for a couple of years. He's 6'5". He's just like a bigger kind of guy. But for instance, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan is listed, coming out of high school, he and Kyle were both listed at 6'3", but Kyle was 25 pounds heavier. So we see J.J. McCarthy's kind of this wiggly guy. That's not Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord is has like has a size to him, Nathan. And and let's get into what you're discovering because I don't. Obviously, we have educated, dedicated, loyal listeners here on Buckeye Talk, but not everybody knows the full story of Kyle McCord. It is a little different than C.J. Stroud because C.J. was late to the party in recruiting. It's like, hey, where'd this guy come from? And Kyle McCord was a plan from the jump. So. It feels like we've known this guy for a while, but yet we haven't seen much of it. But how how was he shaped as a quarterback? And again, it's in the family, right? How how much do you how has that played into the football player Kyle McCord has become? Well, I think it was a huge factor. And again, for people who don't know, Derek McCord played at Rutgers, was a quarterback at Rutgers. This would have been in the late 80s, early 90s. I think he played in like nine or 10 games in 90, 91, somewhere long before anybody was talking about Rutgers being in the Big Ten for sure. Uh, and that's where his his parents met. So he grew up in, in New Jersey and um, he's three kids in the family. He's the middle kid. There's an older brother. And but so what what kind of was the the 
the the genesis of the story for me was talking to him in Atlanta and having him talk about well I've been preparing for this you know competition you're preparing to be the starter now for two plus years but really he's been preparing longer than that like this has been a lifelong thing that he's been striving for and the older brother uh, uh, Cole who I talked to for this story um, was a tight end like he wasn't a quarterback and it was really Kyle showing some aptitude and some interest in being a quarterback at a really young age and Derek stepped in and I, it was an important uh, factor for him to have a dad in the home that had that background because it's why he arrived at like you know that seventh eighth grade age as so much more of a polished quarterback than a lot of his peers uh, you know he was learning footwork he was learning three and five step drops. He was learning ladder drills and stuff at a, an age much earlier than a lot of kids would get that because he had a former college quarterback who could just take him in the backyard and do it. And I, all of those things were important. And then, but at the same time, at some point, the, the important thing I think that clicked in was how much he wanted it. Like he saw this as a goal for himself, uh, maybe because his dad had been a, a, college quarterback a division one quarterback you see from that example how real it is it's not a um it's a very tangible goal it's not a fantastical goal for that for for that kid and he made that a a a, a thing on his horizon that he was starting to work towards the, the, the family has stories of uh you know he finally got his own gym membership at 13 where he could have one for himself but you're only 13. You're still three years away from being able to drive yourself there. So he's like waking his parents up at 430 in the morning to get them to take him to the gym so he could work out. And just, like you know, multiple stories like that of like him being the one that has to get them out of the bed in the morning so he can go do workouts at school or whatever, not the other way around. You saw this drive in him at an early age. So it was, I think, the combination of the the just uh, fundamental ways that that Derek McCord could give him a good foundation, but then something that just caught in Kyle early that made him want to chase this dream pretty uh, fiercely uh, over the, that. And that carried on. Well, it still carries on now from, from what we know. So let's, let's get to the nut of this. Cause it's what everybody's wondering. What kind of failure was it by Rutgers to not lock this guy down? <laughs> He's a legacy. He's from Philly. <laughs> No wonder Chris Ash got fired. Nathan, how did Rutgers let the, let this guy slip away? Well, I, I think he was just uh, outside of Rutgers' grasp from pretty early on. His, so he was, the uh, summer before his eighth grade year, he was at a camp at, you want to guess where? Rutgers. Rutgers. Michigan. Ohio State. He was at a camp at Michigan uh. and received his first college scholarship offer from central michigan one of those things where i think this probably happens a lot with schools of that level where they're like hey this will be the last time oh, we ever yeah. talk to you but here we'd like to offer you a scholarship and uh, they were appreciative of that and but, I, but the, you know that started conversations with michigan which offered him the next february so like february of his freshman year he's getting offered from the likes of michigan and by april of 2019 like you said he's plan a for ohio state he is he he he's the most plan a quarterback that day has had you could argue because Stroud was later in the class he was kind of the plan B for the plan A behind Miller in some ways when when Jack Miller in, in, encountered some things and McCord committed in April 2019 and was has just been on that path ever since then building towards this moment but he just very early again because he had that combination of the polish the size and something we'll talk a little bit later about but like in a, a crucial kind of intervention in his um, development that happened when he was around 16 
that or sophomore year that that kind of took him up another level, I think, and is something that may turn out to be the, one of the crucial interventions um, going into this year. The things he'll have to be as a quarterback now, but he just was uh, the prototypical prep five-star quarterback in a lot of ways that, you know, you just had that, uh, a very polished, um, you know, skills and fundamentals and a, a concept of the game that I think was helping him. And let's face it, was also playing at a, a, a pretty prestigious program in its own right in Pennsylvania with some pretty impressive players. You get to have exposure. Um, the family had, had put him in some places, had him play up levels earlier in his career to kind of challenge him and bring some of that out. So um, it's just something that he's been pushed. Not, I don't want to say pushed because I, I, I tried, I went into this story kind of searching for that too. Like when you've got a dad who was a quarterback in college, like, is he trying to live vicariously through his son? And by all accounts, that wasn't really happening here. That Kyle was uh, just grabbed onto it pretty early and wanted this for himself. St. Joe's prep in Philly, also home of Marvin Harrison Jr. Also, yep the alma mater of Browns coach Kevin Stefanski. April 30th, 2019, Stephen. Almost four years since this guy. It's why we feel like, he's, I mean, he's been here forever. I mean, he didn't get here that day, but he's, he was the second commit in that class of, of uh, 2020 behind, no, of 2021, behind, behind Jack Sawyer. Yep. And I'm reading your story, Stephen, from cleveland.com on april 30th 2019 seeing what they did with Dwayne last year is really eye-opening to only start one season to be one of the top quarterbacks in the draft says a lot about the system obviously this is ryan day has not yet coached a single game other than the three games as the interim head coach he has not yet been a full-time head coach at ohio state by the time that kyle mccord is committing to him Marvin and I talk about possible places we could go all the time, Accord said. I hope we end up at the same school, but we will both go to the school that's best for us, but I really hope it's the same school. Ohio State hoped that also. <laughs> it wound up pretty good. Yeah. Um, th- this idea, and, and, and Nathan, I'm sure you have information on this, but from your perspective, Stephen, in, in covering this recruitment, why is he here? It's not like there's a Philadelphia to Ohio State pipeline, and so – there's two parts of this, and, and and I do want to talk about like why Ryan Day picked him, but like why did he pick Ohio State? Because he could be, he could be anywhere. He's a five star quarterback. He could be anywhere, and he's in Columbus. Why, Stephen? Yeah, and it's uh, you said the second commit in the 2021 class behind Jackson. He is the second kid to ever commit to Ryan Day's Ohio State program. First offensive player that he it's a it's Dwayne Haskins. This is the most Dwayne Haskins impact of Dwayne, uh, even more than maybe Justin Fields was, just because he is the five-star recruit. No, it's a recruit doing this, but Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdown passes, and this is a passing guy who obviously had built a relationship with Ryan Day to an extent when Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator and whatnot, but it was simply he did that with Dwayne Haskins, and now he's the head coach. I want to come play for that guy. So you know it's not a one-off. You know it wasn't just because, oh, Dwayne was in the program, and he beat out Joe Burrow, and it's like the best option you have, and you have to build around him. It's that I just saw that, and I want to be a part of that because it doesn't seem like it's going to stop now that he's the head coach. But it was also Corey Dennis, as much as as much as it is about Ryan Day's the head coach, he was a quarterbacks coach as well. Corey Dennis does his his due diligence on the recruiting trail. That's where the majority of his efforts probably should be applauded the most because he spends the most time with these guys. 
Anytime Kyle McCourt was on campus, it was Corey Dennis hosting him. And at the time, it was it was Corey Dennis as the GA, QC, so we can't go anywhere. So that relationship had to be pretty strong. I remember Kyle telling me a story about how how he found out that you're supposed to hate Michigan. They were showing Kyle McCord the schedule that's up in the Woody. And it had everybody's, you know, name, their logo, their helmet, and all that stuff. And with uh, Michigan, it said uh, the team up north, the TTUN. And it didn't even have the Michigan logo. It just said team up north. And he was like, wait, where's Michigan at? Don't y'all play them? And Corey Dennis snapped at him and said, we don't say mm-hmm. this name around here. We never say it. And from that day, I mean, they probably do say it when they're in their own spare time, but he is, that's how he got involved in the Michigan rivalry. He wasn't even a commit at that point. He didn't commit for maybe another two months after that interaction half, but stuff like that. But then also it's, I'm going to keep hammered the Dwayne Haskins impact on Ohio State's football's quarterback recruiting. It starts with Kyle McCord. I don't know if they do say it. There's just enough times you come across coaches and players, and it's like, you know, you could say Michigan. They don't say it. I just don't, I don't, I don't know if yeah. they say it. Nathan, what, what's um, – I, I would imagine it came up in conversation along the way. What what in your reporting here recently, why is he here? Why did, why is this the place for Kyle McCord? It didn't go into that in, in deep detail, really. Um, but I, I think part of it is, you know, when you're a kid from that spot of the country – and, you know, again, you're growing up, you know, like suburban New Jersey, Philadelphia. Where do you think, because it's not a, a college football hotbed there. You've got, obviously, Rutgers, and you've got Penn State not too far away. But I think from a cultural standpoint, it makes sense for quarterbacks from that area to head towards Ohio State, towards the, like, upper Midwest. Like that, that makes sense from just a... Um, just from their backgrounds and where that fits, maybe easier than trying to, you know, slot into the deep South SEC country, even some of the ACC, depending on what state it's in. I think that could be a, a tougher fit than, than trying to come West. But I also think it was what Steven's saying. It's, it's, you know, what Ryan day has proven at that point to be as a quarterback coach. And, and also again, at the time he committed, they had Jack Miller, and then he was coming in in the next class. So there was no – he committed before C.J. Stroud committed to also be here in 2019. So it was going to be a head-to-head competition in that second year uh, behind someone who he knew wasn't going to get to start that first year under fields either. So, it you know, it, the, the, the door was open to come in and compete right away, really, to be the starting quarterback. And this this comes up sometimes, like with Jim Knowles and talking about also St. Joe's. Growing up in, oh, he's also St. Joe's too? I'm, I'm pretty sure he is, yeah. Oh. Uh, and it's just like Philly's just not a college football town. Like Philly's a college basketball town and a pro town. It's not like it's just not – there's not the same kind of thing there. And so um, like Penn State's grasp in Philly I don't think is super strong. But as we're coming off the 2018 season – and Dwayne Haskins is throwing for 4,800 yards. Trace McSorley at Penn State threw for 2,500 yards. Dwayne Haskins had 50 touchdown passes. Trace McSorley had 18. And it's like, oh, well, the close, like you have to fly over State College to get to Columbus, but you're flying over like a little wiggly guy who threw 18 touchdown passes to get to a big prototypical NFL passer who's throwing 50 touchdown passes. So, you know, it's, and it's not prisoner of the moment because as you said, Stephen, like this is 
Ryan Day's not going to take another OC job. You know, mm-hmm. he's not just an OC where everything can change with a snap of a finger. He's the head coach now. So, and, and to your point, Nathan, just culturally, I mean, where are you going to go? You're going to go to Boston College? You're going to go to Rutgers? I don't know. Where? You, I mean, like, where are you going to go? Other than anywhere, because you're a five-star quarterback, and if Nick Saban comes and knocks on your door, you're going to listen, even if you're not a Tuscaloosa kind of guy necessarily. If USC knocks on your door, if Texas knocks on your door, you answer the door. But it does make sense for him to be here. So let's talk a little bit more about what happened in Kyle McCord's development that made Ryan Day pick him. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, Doug Maurice with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. Again, go read this story at cleveland.com slash OSU. We're not just a podcast. We're not just, just three heads and three voices floating in the ether. There's a thing where words hit on the website thing, the interwebs, cleveland.com slash OSU. Go there. Nathan put a lot of work into this. Nathan, you gave us like a good little tease about 10 minutes ago. There was this thing <laughs> that changed the course of Kyle McCord's development. What do you what, what is it? I can't we can't wait longer. What are you talking about? Well, all these guys work with private quarterback coaches to some extent and not just the ones that happen to have fathered them. Like they, they usually go and get some kind of <laughs> private tutelage along the way from <laughs> professional guys. And it just so happened that at at one point the guy that reached out to the McCords to see if they wanted his help was a Super Bowl MVP named Phil Sims who was obviously a, a Giants great for a long time. Him and his son, Matt, who played in the NFL, played at, I think, Louisville and Tennessee before that. Uh, co- coach quarterbacks sort of in that greater New Jersey area. And they had heard about Kyle uh, somewhere along the way. They they tracked Derek down through a contact at Rutgers, uh, someone, I guess, that they commonly knew and said, hey, we'd like to just, you know, we don't know if we can help him. We've heard some things, maybe – um, we should, we'd like to come evaluate him. You guys can decide if, if you think it's worth it. And at the end of the day, they, they thought it was worth it because what was sort of happening at that point, this would have been in, I think, April of his sophomore year. So after his sophomore season, he was already starting in high school and then doing really good things with that St. Joseph prep team. But the way Matt Sims explained it was that there was a sense that maybe he was plateauing a little bit that you've, you've, you've got this really strong foundation, you've gotten into high school, you've already got you know a good frame and stuff to you athletically, and you're performing and your team is winning, but that can't, that can't be good enough. Like You have to try to take it up another level to do what a program like Ohio State is preparing you to do, or wants you to do, expects you to do. It's why they're courting you. And the, the, you know, right now, 
the concept like the off-platform throw is sort of a buzzword. Like I think Patrick Mahomes has really like ratcheted that up in in the discourse around all levels of, of football, and it was sort of just becoming a thing at that point. And that was the one area where they thought that he needed the most help. And it does that's not me predicting that he'll come in and do Patrick Mahomes like things. But what it is is a just having an awareness of playing more athletically within the pocket and playing with a greater efficiency to be able to to get something behind throws in an unconventional way, if that makes sense. You know, working on ways because obviously Derek McCord, just having been a quarterback, had worked with him on doing rollouts and throwing on the run and things like that. But what you're talking about now with modern football at the upper, upper levels of power five, guys who are aspiring to be in the NFL, that's not good enough. You have to be able to to play outside the game because defenses have just gotten so fast and strong and good. And you, you have to be able to, to work around the things that they're taking away from you. The best way Derek McCord put it was all the things that he was taught not to do when he was coming up in the late eighties and early nineties about, you know, throwing off your back foot and throwing across your body and all those things. And, and it's not that that's what you're told to do as a baseline, but you now have to be able to have those things in your tool bag in order to really succeed at this next level because defenses are going to force you into those situations. So that was really where they helped him make a, a progression in his abilities as a quarterback. You know, Matt Sims pointed out there was a uh, in the 2021 spring. Game, I can't remember if it was 2021 or last I think one of the last two spring games. Um, he came in and threw a touchdown pass to Joe Royer that was like right down the seam. And it's he pointed it out as like a very subtle example of what they had worked with him on because something that might have taken him several um, steps, not not steps with his feet, but just like several points of progress through a play now can be done in like two, three, four. Um, and it's just much more streamlined and you still get the power to throw that that past where you want it to go and with the emphasis it needs to be thrown. So those sort of things that helped him go from just being a productive high school quarterback to maybe being the kind of guy who could be a starter for a national championship contender. You, I was just watching um, most of his throws from last season, and we'll get into exactly what he's done here at Ohio State. But uh, they, Ryan Day did have him run like multiple bootlegs. They got him out of the pocket and, and got him out. Now you just do that to get a guy out in space. So you don't have to try to see over the line. It opens up the field. There's a lot of ways that you run play action boots with your quarterback to sort of maybe cut the field in half a little bit, make some easy throws for him. But he moved again, he moves pretty well and that's not off platform. But when you, when you look at this package, Steven, and hearing that, okay, this was something that they wanted to work on. They wanted to work on his athleticism. They wanted to work on him throwing on the run people probably got tired of of us talking about cj's brain i just love cj's it might be my favorite body part cj's brain might be my favorite body part of Wait, any human ever more than pete werner's neck oh what we're if gonna have the whole podcast yeah we're, have a, we're gonna have a pod we're gonna have a pod where we have, have to draft. build the perfect ohio state football player <laughs> based <laughs> off body parts the yes. last i think i'm i think it's it's pete pete werner's neck cj stroud's brain Marvin Harrison Jr.'s torso, his long torso, right? I uh, think, what else? What would be the other one seed? Chase Young's arms might be a one seed. Yeah. I think or CJ maybe Chase Stroud's... Young's dreads when it makes him look like the Predator. Yeah. Like, it's oh, that, so I, intimidating. 
either that or if we can go back in the past, either Eddie George or Ezekiel Elliott's abs, just so we can oh, roll up the jersey. Zeke's abs with yeah. the cutoff shirt. Zeke's yeah. abs are really good. Oh, Zeke's abs. Zeke's abs are probably a one seed too. I think CJ Stroud's brain on top of Pete Werner's neck is basically the Lombardi trophy, right? It's just a football <laughs> on top of like a three foot tall, just solid steel <laughs> neck. If we built this trophy and it was like a four foot long torso with rock hard abs at the bottom of it, and then like a super awesome thick neck, and then a brain on top of it, we'd we'd award it to like the best Buckeye body part. And a year from now, we'll be awarding it to JT Tuomolau's hands because he tipped a bunch of passes. We'll be like, JT, here's this monstrosity of a thing. Oh, look, it's Marvin's torso. And that, that thing up there with all the ridges, that's, that's, that's CJ's brain. So anyway, what's, what are we, Steven? What are we, what's the body part that's going to define Kyle McCord? Because again, I just, you look at him, he just looks sizable to me. He just, he looks like he has some heft to him. And I'll be very curious if he becomes the kind of quarterback where maybe he's hanging around in the pocket and like shaking off a sack and then making a throw. And maybe it's shoulders, right? Maybe it's something where he's like, you can't bring this guy down. I'm curious to see how he plays once everybody lets it rip. But what are the leading body part candidates for Kyle McCord? It's definitely right shoulder, because um, that's where you throw from. I think Nathan knows baseball better than I do. But definitely right shoulder. He looks like an NFL quarterback. Yeah, just physically walking down the street. It's he looks like an NFL quarterback. So it's probably all of it. It's going to be the um, the defensive end beat Josh Pryor, but it didn't matter. Or there was a blitz, a nickel blitz that because he's not CJ Stroud, whether he probably didn't point out, but it didn't matter because he shook him off anyway. And then he's ripping something to the slot to Emeka Abuka. Or I don't know, he's getting tackled and still gets it. He's strong enough to get a throw into the end zone to Marvin Harrison Jr. And we're going, oh, Ryan Day's probably losing his mind right now, but hey, it worked out. So who cares? I do think that it's the physicality that he kind of came into college with in a little bit because. Uh, CJ was a skinny little thing when he got yeah. here. Jax Miller, he was coming off a lot of injuries, so there was some physical stuff to catch up on. Kyle McCord, he looked – I remember the first time I saw him when they got here, he looked like he fit in immediately. It didn't look like there was – now maybe you chisel some stuff up, right, because this is still college football and he's been doing high school workouts, but just from a size standpoint, it didn't look like he didn't belong in that quarterback room the same way it did with the, a lot of the other guys. And I think that's what's going to allow him to stand out, which in a year like this where you don't have Paris Johnson on your backside and you don't have Dewan Jones on the other tackle side, that probably is a little bit more important that you have a quarterback who can maybe fight off some stuff. As we talked about a lot with CJ, it's hard to see the brain, right? You look at high school film, it's like, okay, it looks like he read something there and made the right throw, but you're just, that we're not going to know for sure until Kyle gets into games and you see it. But the the play, one of the plays that stands out from the Ohio State-Georgia game is that play where CJ shook off the sack and escaped to the right and then threw the touchdown. And that's the play where Ryan Day like had a conniption, like his body mm-hmm. was shaking, like he couldn't control himself. And... As much as we love the brain, I'll always love the brain. I think it is a high bar to expect every quarterback to process exactly like that. I'm not saying Kyle McCord can't do it. I'm saying we can't know. We can't know yet. 
But there is a physicality to the position also that, and I'm not saying CJ didn't have this, but a lot of times, and it's, you know, again, the conversation with CJ to me is you diagnose the problem and solve it before it gets to you. You don't have to shake off the sack because the ball is out of your hand. But there's a physicality and a toughness that does sometimes come with quarterback play. And you can see how Ryan Day reacted to that. Maybe it's not even what, it's not what you draw up. No one draws up the play. It's like, okay, so here's the part. Tackle gets beat, you shake off the sack, and then you escape to your right and throw a touchdown pass. But when it breaks down, right? I don't know, Nathan. There's some of this stuff. I'm not, nobody wants it, but I can see the physicality. And then what you're talking about, Nathan, this off-platform stuff, I'll be really curious if that's where Kyle McCord makes a lot of money. And that maybe it's not quite as, whoop, up, safety did this. Here comes this. Ball's out of my hand. There it is, the way C.J. Stroud would do. But maybe there's a a scooch bit more of, oh, here comes the blitz. I'm going to shake it off and then do something. Could you see with what you talked about with what they wanted to develop, Nathan, that being something that is a trademark of Kyle McCord? Yeah, and he's going to need it this year potentially more just because of what's going on with this offensive line. It's a little bit more unknown. Um, and what they're asking some guys to do and some things that are moving around. And we don't know how solid it's going to be. So I think both of those things, it's, it's having some physicality in the pocket to be able to, you know, s- stay up on your own accord. It's also the escapability. I was talking to Derek McCord a little bit today, kind of finishing some things up. And he was mentioning he's actually down uh, or Kyle McCord down to like 216, 217, something like that. Oh, he's, he's, he's made some, he's made some, Dietary changes, he said, over the last eight months or so, which I know is your favorite thing. Can I just do code, by the way? Code for Ohio State players making dietary changes is just not going to Canes as much. That's literally that's I think literally all it is. Um, But but, so it's only a couple of pounds, but it's like 3% body fat, which is not like he came in like a fat guy. Part of that was just to have more uh, mobility. And, you know, I don't think it's – I don't think I was hearing these things necessarily in response to the narrative that's out there in comparing Comacord to Devin Brown and which one might be more mobile. But uh, I think they are aware of the need to be mobile at times and they're trying to enhance that. Like he went in and, and worked out with a speed coach in that week that he was home between the Peach Bowl and then coming back for winter interviews or winter uh, workouts. Uh, they're talking about him going to California and working out with with somebody else, maybe over spring break or later in the spring. So it's that's a part of their game that they're that they are not neglecting here. That as much as he would thrive as a pocket passer, which is what everybody's been doing at Ohio State, including Justin Fields, since uh, Brian Day got here, really starting with Haskins at the very least, that they know that this other part has to be a part of his game and they want to enhance it. They, they think he's, he's solid there already and they want to allow him to use it more in the coming season. So it's just one of those things when you're a quarterback, whether it's a free blitzer or whether it's somebody on the defensive line, beating your guy, if pressure's in your face, you've got to be able to do, there's one of three things you have to do. You have to be able to process it and get rid of it. You have to be fast enough to get out of there, or you have to be physical enough that it gets to you, but it doesn't bring you down. And then you do something. And so I am very curious to see what what this, what this model kind of Kyle McCord fits, right? Because we know what CJ was. Justin, I don't think anybody forgot this. Justin was big. Like Justin is big yeah. and fast. So Justin's like, I don't know, everything? 
but Justin's fast enough to get out, but also try to bring that guy down. That guy's a load in the bottom half of his body, right? You're not going to, it's hard to bring Justin Fields down. What are you going to say, Nathan? Well, it's not just what he is physically. It's what he is sort of intangibly. Justin Fields is tough. Like Justin Fields got beat up at multiple times at Ohio state and came right back and like won games, big games. And I thought CJ Stroud showed some of that same toughness. He didn't quite get, he didn't have, quite the same level of physical adversity week to week, but he did early in his freshman year, like get to the point where he had to take a week off and then came back and just threw the crap out of the ball for the next four weeks. And I thought some of those things showed that toughness. So that's again, whoever takes this job next, I think that sort of toughness is expected of anybody playing the position. We can talk about what their physical frame is and all that stuff or what, what their height and weight is, but there's sort of just a, a level of toughness that has to come along with that too. Yeah. I think McCord, might live in the middle of both of those two guys because to the point of Justin Fields was tough. He also like sought it out sometimes sought out to get hit. I remember that Nebraska game where he, there was a hit. He like lowered his shoulder and we're all thinking, Oh, he's down. This is over with. It's like, no, 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 no. He's still up. That's the vegetarian diet kicking in right there. He's not going to bring him down. Well, yeah, vegan. He was even more extreme with it. But, and then CJ Stroud was more of the, I'm going to get what I, when he did run the, 0.2% 0.2% of the time it was get what I can get and get out of bounds or he was more liable to throw it away the way Ryan Day likes to throw it away while Justin Fields that was a fight for two years getting him to throw it away Kyle McCord might just live in the two boat and somewhere in the mm. middle of that where he can be physical and seek it out when it's time to go seek it out but also he's not Justin Fields the way because there's only like nobody who's Justin Fields as we as the NFL is finding out right now so there's probably going to be some times where it is throw the ball away or get out of bounds as quickly as possible but it might be a healthier balance than we've seen from the last two quarterbacks it is just interesting that these are these are all big guys as you said CJ was skinny but like the whole like Bryce Young right now right Bryce Young mm-hmm. love Bryce Young love everything about Bryce Young poise smarts escapability, all those things. But there's a discussion at the NFL level. He's just smaller. You know, like that's not, those are not the guys that are coming in under Ryan Day right now. It doesn't mean that Ryan Day wouldn't take Bryce Young if Bryce Young said, hey, Ryan, I love Columbus. But like, like there's just, there's a, there's a physicality to these quarterbacks of Ryan Day bringing in here. So let's, let's talk about now what this is. It is a competition. How much so we, you know, we know we have the the competition in the spring of 2018 between Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, which when you have a Heisman winner, number one draft pick, national champion who loses that battle. I don't know. Is it the greatest spring quarterback battle in the history of college football? I'll take other nominations, but it's up there because one guy won the Heisman and one guy beat out the guy who won the Heisman. So that's high level. Justin Fields comes in in 2019. There's no competition. It's Justin Fields. We know that. 2021, it was a competition, right, with C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller and Kyle McCord. But uh, well, I don't know. It, is this – do we believe that – my main question, Nathan, is do we believe 2023 to be any more of a competition than 21 was? I think slightly. Or is it sort of like – Eh, well, it is a competition, but Kyle's been here a year longer. He's the favorite. I think I think it's slightly more of a competition, but I also think that there are a lot of similarities and to the point that last year, Comcord was clearly the backup quarterback. He was clearly the first guy coming in. And by the end of that 2021 season, 
sorry, by the end of the 2020 season, it was clear that CJ Stroud was the backup to Justin Fields to the point that when Justin Fields had to come out of games unscheduled, you know, I think it was a Michigan state where he had to come out. And then the best example is Clemson in the freaking playoff semifinals season on the line. They put, CJ Stroud in the game. Now all he's doing is handing off, but it says something that they're putting him into the game at that point. So both of those guys came in with that sort of stamp of approval and a lead. Like they have a head, a head start here a little bit. The other guy has to not just catch up, but pass them. And I think that's an important factor as we look at this. I don't think it's a, Ohio State's going to talk about this the way that they talk about it because they have to develop two guys right now who are starting worthy. You want to take whatever Devin Brown has right now and push it as far as it can go. Maybe he will be the starter. I don't know. But but let's say he's not. You still want to push that as far as it'll go and have him completely ready because of something could happen to Common Court at any time, as we were just talking about with Justin Fields in 2021 and CJ Stroud in 20 or 2020 and CJ Stroud in 2021. So the whole room has to they have to use the quarterback battle as a way to to kind of elevate the whole room. But I think there are some similarities here as I, as I look at it uh, from the outside that I, I still think that McCord comes in with the edge just because he was given that stamp of approval head to head last year. And while it can be a long time between December and the next August, in some ways it's not. And it's certainly not a long time since the Peach Bowl to now. We're talking it's been six weeks or whatever. And, and spring practice starts the week after next and they're already doing the, the winter stuff obviously but th- this competition while it is starting or it started in when they got back in january it had already kind of started before that because through the the bowl practice and stuff they were seeing these guys go head to head i think the one fundamental difference that makes this one at least semi more interesting than 2021 is that the other important variable here is it still trying to learn the basics of one, the offense and two, just being in college? Cause Tom McCord is very, very good. And it, there was some talent level. And I think we all can agree that we probably think that if CJ Shaw didn't exist, Kyle McCord probably would have beat out Jack Miller for the job, but that's just because he's super, super more talented than what Jack Miller was. That's the only scenario where Kyle McCord wins that where he's that much more talented than the other guy he's going against, which is why Trevor Lawrence beat out Kelly Bryant down at, uh, Clemson when it was the same type of a similar scenario to what that would have been, but a situation it's like Kyle McCord was in high school, you know, two weeks ago, and now he's doing winter workouts. While CJ Stroud, I understand he didn't throw a pass, but he was playing college football. He was getting college football reps in practice. You know, he was learning the playbook. He was in a college football weight and strength and conditioning program. All that other advantage and stuff. I understand Kyle's been here a year younger, longer, but. Devin Brown's not going to spend half of this spring trying to figure out where he's supposed to be at. He knows that already because he went through it. So there's that, that, that the basic, both of these guys know the basics. And so the only difference is Kyle McCord's older. So he's actually gotten a chance to play in a game the way that Devin Brown hasn't gotten to play a chance to play in the game. But because it's not that many reps, I don't know how much that matters in this situation. But I think what the outside of that, what makes this interesting is like Corey Dennis said, they're not night and day different, but they're different enough that it's almost like is Ryan Day changing his philosophy on what he finds important in a quarterback, depending on who wins this battle. Because I do, it feels very JJ McCarthy and Kyle McCord were his choices as 2021 quarterbacks, and he went with Kyle McCord. And they're not the same quarterback. And it's, it's kind of what did you choose in that moment? Now, after having Justin Fields and CJ Stroud through this program the last three years, do you change at all what you value? And if not, then. 
Kyle McCord probably right now is a lot more of what Ryan Day wants than what Devin Brown is, even if Devin Brown is a very good quarterback. But if they pick Devin Brown, it's a signal to, yes, Devin Brown's gotten really good over the past year, but it also there's an element that Devin Brown has with that running ability that, Nathan, you were just talking about. It had to be something Kyle McCord had to develop. The other quarterbacks we've seen here, not named Justin Fields, that wasn't necessarily their forte. So again, the shorthand, when you say Corey Dennis says it's not night and day, but but there is a difference just for people who are listening. Yeah. I always hate that when I listen to like a podcast or something. So it says, well, there's a difference. Like what's the difference? I don't know what it is. Like what's the 30 second explanation of what the shorthand difference is between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Devin Brown's a, a little bit more mobile, a lot a more, but even more important, more willing to use it at times, sometimes to his detriment, but that's because he was young and seeing ghosts at times. But the mobile element is there for Devin Brown at that age in a way that it maybe wasn't there for Kyle McCord at that same age. And even whether CJ Stroud had it or not, it wasn't something Ryan Day was encouraging him to do. While with Devin Brown, it's probably there a little bit more. And what he means by night, not, it's not night and day. It's not, oh, if you pick Dev, if, Devin Brown, that means that you're giving up a lot of this other quarterback stuff, but at least he can run. Or if you're picking Kyle McCord, you're giving up the mobile ability completely, but at least he can throw the ball. They they can both do it. It's just one, it's probably what helps them make them special, while with the other one, it's just this added thing they've had to develop. So you're not sacrificing it. You're probably just not maximizing it. Burrow is the guy that like Devin Brown talked about the minute he got here. I mean, everybody yeah. wants to be Joe Burrow now. CJ Stroud thinks like yeah. Joe Burrow's a comparison, Devin Brown, but just like shorthand, CJ this year, just by and again, the college rushing stats sometimes can be goofy, but um CJ this year ran it 47 times, and 12 of those were against Georgia. Joe Burrow, his Heisman year, ran it uh 115 times. So it's just Maybe that and you that I always thought that with Joe. That was like sort of the thing. Cause and last time, by the way, in 18, they picked the passer. Yep. Joe was much more of a runner than Dwayne was. I thought Joe was kind of in between JT and Dwayne. JT's basically a run first quarterback. Dwayne is a run not at all, all all throw quarterback. And Joe, I thought, had both abilities, and they were very comfortable with Dwayne, even though it wasn't Urban Meyer's system, very comfortable with Dwayne throwing the ball. So uh, again, I think we will be very curious what we learn about quarterback philosophy from this competition. But then again, in the end, they're going to pick the guy who's the best quarterback and gives Ohio State the best chance to win. Nathan, they're not going to pick philosophically. They're going to pick pragmatically. How do we win a national championship? Yeah, I, I don't know that I actually think that this – I don't think it's going to be a philosophical choice. I think it's going to be – because anytime, anytime we talk to Ryan Day about quarterbacks – and we talk about some physical attribute they have, whether that was the way Justin Fields could run or the way CJ Stroud could throw or whatever. Like it's he doesn't really care about arm strength. The fact he's always he said things in the past like, well, arm strength is really overblown. And and uh, as a, speaking as a quarterbacks coach, and he wants guys who make the right decision. That's really all he cares about. Like there's nothing in the world that he hates more than like giving the ball away and having empty possessions and having to make up for, you know, having third and, and longs like, cause he thinks of it like what makes it harder as a, as an offensive coordinator. So that's what I think is going to determine this. And it's why I think that common Accord has had that lead from the beginning, same way that CJ Stroud did in 2021, just because which one is, is more facile with the offense, which one is probably just more poised within uh, having just been through more experiences. Uh, you would think that that, that gives him an edge in this situation, because I, at the end of the day, I think that's, what's going to 
be you, you're you've been given the keys to this great offense. This offense doesn't necessarily need. I'm not saying they need a game manager, but they don't need someone to come in with a specific skill set that elevates the offense. They need someone to come in and keep this offense uh, just run the cleanest engine possible in some ways. Yeah, the I, I'm I'm curious for the way when you have different skill sets, right? Where where we do maybe have more physicality, we have more legs, we had a brain, you had Justin, and and just how it allows you or forces you to talk about quarterback play. Ryan, it seems like Devin does this. How does that fit in this offense? How do you want him to do things? Ryan, it seems like Kyle has this ability. How do you want him to use that, right? And so I think those things that we've had two great years of covering C.J. Stroud and and high-level quarterback play from C.J. Stroud, but it's just two different guys. So we're going to have different conversations about playing quarterback that I hope continues to inform us about what I do think is Ryan Day's evolving view mm-hmm. on quarterback play. Because Justin and CJ were different enough, and they were different enough from Dwayne, that you can see, okay, I like this, I like this, I like this, but ideally maybe we all do this. And then ideally maybe the next guy does this. And I just think it's a fascinating fascinating conversation for us to have with a guy who is a high-level quarterback teacher and has high-level quarterback talents, but with different skill sets all around him. So the competition is here. How are the McCords viewing it, Nathan? Because shorthand discussion, I think at any in any quarterback battle in the country, if the younger guy wins, you're on alert for what does the older guy do? Does the older guy say, I just got passed by the younger guy, I'm out of here. And if the older guy wins, you don't automatically assume that the younger guy would do the same because you can still be on track. Kyle McCord is going to be a third-year college football player in 2023. He has not yet been a full-time starting quarterback, but he's on track. This is normal. This is not, he's not behind. Yes, some other guys in his class, and we'll talk about that, have already started, but he's on track. If he doesn't start in 2023 with how skilled and where he was rated out of high school, he would no longer be on track if he's not a starter in 2023. So how are, and this is not, this is just facts of the way college football works right now. How are the, the McCords thinking about this? And I almost interjected that into the conversation we we're having before. That's the other huge difference from 2021. And it's the other huge difference from when Common Cord had to compete for a job at lower levels of his life was that the, the stakes weren't nearly as high, personally. Like in 2021, you came in as a true freshman, you didn't beat out the guy who was the returning backup who was also a five-star. You're like, okay, well, that's that's sort of how that's maybe supposed to happen. And then you you have to now do this tutelage, this uh, apprenticeship for a couple of years. But now if you don't win, yes, there are repercussions here. And then there are roster repercussions. And I think we're – I it's so obvious that I did have to ask the McCords about that. And the, the, the family – has a lot of confidence just that they get from Kyle because the way that they look at it, um, it's something that they think about and worry about as parents uh, and because maybe they think they have to, but in a way that he doesn't because he can't maybe bother to worry about that right now. Like he's got to go win this job. Like why would you be, I think that's almost the way any quarterback probably should approach that. It's like, I can't worry about not winning the job while I'm trying to win the job. Matt, Ryan Day has said things like that before that you've got to make sure that you're operating the room the correct way that these guys understand, you know, these are the things you have to do, but 
you can't let every day be a, a referendum on who has the job and, and you can't be tracking it quite like that. Um, but this is a, a guy who has always had a certain, just that, I think that very natural quarterback swagger on the field. I, I, I was asking, you know, him and his, uh, Derek and his, um, Derek is the father and, uh, his wife, Stacy, uh, Kyle's mom, like just growing up, do you f- catch yourself? And she's an educator. So she has her own way of looking at young people. And like, do you catch yourself like looking for like intangibles? And they said, yeah, like you would see him with his peer groups and even sometimes older kids when he was young, like being, you know, being, doing a lot of leadership sort of things. And, you know, Matt Sims said the same thing, not encountering him until he was, you know, in his high school years, but that you saw some of those same quarterback intangibles that a, someone needs to have in order to call themselves a potential NFL quarterback. So because he has all of those things uh, and they see him look at this as just, Hey, if I go out and do what I'm supposed to do, then it'll work out. Uh, that's kind of, that's how they're sort of taking their cues right now. They are, they're aware of the possibilities. And as a, as parents, uh, I think you maybe think, well, okay, we have to have some sort of plan B here. If, if things don't go right, um, uh, which which would only be not going right for them, obviously not necessarily not going right for Ohio State because Ohio State's just trying to find the best quarterback. But uh, for him, it does not. Anyway, like from talking to him, from talking to the family, you don't sense a great concern about this, and I don't think it's like a cockiness or even a thought that like he it's deserved that he takes the job, but just that it's you know he he's not approaching it that way. That it's 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 just about going out and doing the work. So. Where where are we going into this? Again, we're about two weeks away from the start. We are assuming Kyle McCord wins. They both look good. Kyle McCord wins. Like, is Steven, is that, I, I don't know. We, how are we thinking about this? How should fans be thinking about it? Yeah, I I, I think Kyle McCord wins. I think that the, 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 the approach with this ideally has been Kyle McCord wins the job this year, which doesn't which keeps your room from blowing up and he kind of pulls a Dwayne Haskins and then Devin Brown maybe is set up to do the exact same thing next year. And then maybe whoever your 2024 quarterback is the next time we see a multi-year starter. I'm not saying it's going to go exactly to that plan, but I do, I have that in the back of my mind of until something shows me that maybe that plan is not possible. There's no reason to believe that isn't what's going to happen here. So because of that, yeah, I, I think Colin McCord ends up winning and Devin Brown is now the true, you got, you kind of go from third string, the true backup before you take the starting job. Yeah. I, I, I look at it as McCord is still the, the betting favorite. The, the one wrinkle is, I mean, this is a pretty savvy family as it comes to football things. There's not a great track record of underclassmen with one year of starting experience going to the NFL and then having that translate to success. So, it may not be a one and done thing as far as him being a yeah. starter. Um, but that's where, you know, that's just, that's how they've recruited the room. They, they want there to be, you know, they were in that stretch where it was going to be a, a kind of superstar guy every year and let the chips fall where they may. So we'll see. It, it's not like it's a guarantee that he wouldn't be able to leave after one year and do something. But I think that's something that everyone is cognizant of. Like that, that stat is out there now enough that it's like, whatever the number it's like 25 starts is kind of almost like the golden, yeah threshold that you want to have bill parcells i think made up that stat mm-hmm. and, I, and there was a time when i definitely thought like nfl people were like holding on to it too much and it was sort of a, a bygone era 
but then like Mitch Trubisky was a one-year starter and kind of didn't exactly work out. And Dwayne, Dwayne was yeah. a one-year starter yeah. and did not set the world on fire right away in Washington. Again, I think there were other things working against him in Washington. And again, as we know, Dwayne's tragic passing, who knows what his career may have been like if he'd been able to reset it. But even Mac Jones, though, I mean, he goes to, I mean, the pro, the, the, uh, founded, uh, team of all teams for the last 20 years. And he was decent his first year and it's kind of fallen off a cliff there. He's a one year starter. So there's something to that. It's, it's, so it's, it's interesting. I, I do agree with the idea that I don't think anything is guaranteed, but also if, Kyle McCord sets the world on fire. It's going to be a first round pick. It's hard to it's hard to turn that down. You want to guys? You guys want to? You guys like the old betting stuff? You like the betting? I got my app. I don't got my DraftKings uh, app. It makes baby Jesus sad when we gamble. Can you? Can I just say? I don't want to say that gambling is easy and you're guaranteed to win. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to do. I don't know if it's it's, it is to easy to do. Yeah, I don't. But I'll just say. I I need I I want to find out the answer to this question. The the live betting that when you have it on your phone and you can live bet every second of a game, the opening line is becomes meaningless. The mm. opening line is meaningless. Because especially over the course of a basketball game, basketball is a game of runs, and over the course of a game no matter what team you want, you are very likely to get better a better point spread for your team on either side at some point in the game. Because if you like a 10-point underdog, well, that underdog's probably going to get behind, and now all of a sudden you're going to get 14. Mm -hmm. Or if you like the team who's favored by 10, well, that underdog might start off hot. Now you're only favored by 7. So anyway, I don't know if it's an algorithm or a person. But the, the, the lines, the live lines overreact to runs in basketball. And I have had some modicum of success just being like, okay, well, somebody went on an 8-0 run and it moved the line five points, but it doesn't mean that team's going to now win by 40. The other team's just going to go on an 8-0 run at some point too. So anyway, I've been on my app. That's all I'm saying. Don't do it though. Don't do it. Like Nathan said, don't do it. So do you guys want to guess? Well, yeah, I'm just curious. Are you are you right wagering now. enough yet that you could buy a new phone case for that phone? Like I think would of you, you as like I used, I had a sports I had a sports editor in Danville, Illinois, Bob Castello. We would go to the OTB in in Danville once in a while for these uh, for our sports meetings, and he would he was so cheap he would make like. Two dollars show bets on like eight to five yeah. favorites. Like you could, so like if you won, you made like thirty cents. I assume that you're maybe a similar better to that. I am the king of the three dollar bet. I am the king. I am the king. There's nothing I won't bet three dollars on. But there's pro- there's most things I won't bet four on. Four is a little steep for me. Here are the Heisman odds. I'm not going to give them to you. I'm I'm going to tell you that on the DraftKings app that I am looking at the Heisman odds. I am seeing four. Ohio State players listed in the Heisman odds. And the Heisman odds go as high. I'm trying to see if there's a fifth guy. Go as high as 200 to 1 for some guys. 300 to 1 we're at now. Oh, 300. Okay. 300 to 1 is the highest. There are four Ohio State guys listed. Who do you believe is the heaviest Heisman favorite Nathan, among Ohio State players, 
Who's the first Heisman bet, do you think? I think it's probably McCord just because it's a quarterback award now for the most what part. What do you think, Steven? Um, that should be the answer, but it's probably Marvin. It is Kyle McCord. Oh, he's first. getting smart. Who do you think is second? I think Marvin's Among second. Ohio State players. Yeah, Marvin's second. Travion Henderson is second. And then I will tell you that Devin Brown and Marvin Harrison Jr. have the same odds for the Heisman right now. Hmm. So I'm going to go download Kyle- Josh Kings real quick. <laughs> <laughs> this was the whole thing last year when it was like Will Anderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba were both like 100 to 1 in the offseason. And I was like, oh, let's go, let's but, go. Yeah. And then it was like. But unlike betting on a horse race or unlike betting on a line in a college basketball game, you don't get credit. You can't bet for a close loss. Yeah, you can't. That's true. So you, it's Correct. it's. Can they win it? And receivers win good. it so yeah. rarely that I guess I sort of understand. So knowing that Kyle McCord is the the heaviest Ohio State Heisman favorite, Stephen, what do you think his odds are? What to one, three to one, eight to one, fifty to one? What do you think Kyle McCord is? I'll say. 30 to one right now. And then just for the sake of throwing it out there, when Ryan day announces him as the starter, I guess that's my me marking it down who I think is going to win it. It might go down to like 12 to one, just because mm-hmm. that's where we're that's at with Ohio state's quarterback right now. You probably could just put bets on both the Ohio state quarterbacks right now. And then yeah. somebody's odds are going to drop once at least yeah. the starter, Nathan, what do you think? Kyle McCord is what odds? I think Steven's actually probably pretty close. I was thinking like 20 or 25 to one. So maybe like 25 to one right now, but I think, yeah, I think he, he comes down once we know who the starter is. 22 to one. He is tied for the 10th best odds. Caleb Williams, Jordan Travis, who's the quarterback at Florida state, Drake may at North Carolina, Bo Nix at Oregon, Michael Penix jr. At Washington, Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, Joe Milton at Tennessee, Jaden Daniels at LSU. Quinn Ewers is 20 to one. And then Kyle McCord and drew Aller are tied at 22 to one. Travion Henderson is 30 to one and Marvin Harrison Jr. And Devin Brown are both 60 to one. So those are the Ohio state Heisman odds at the moment on DraftKings. You're nodding Nathan. Well, yeah, but that tells you what Steven was saying. I think it's true that if he and drew Allar have basically the same odds right now, same level of like unknown production going this year, then the one who is the quarterback for Ohio State is going to have the better odds once he for sure yep. has the job. Yes, I agree with that. And like at the Tennessee, like Joe Milton played the bowl game for Tennessee. Like when Hendon Hooker was hurt, Joe Milton, former Michigan quarterback, is at Tennessee now. Like he has better odds than Kyle McCord. It's just because you think you know who the Tennessee quarterback is going to pay. Mm-hmm. The Tennessee quarterback is not a better Heisman candidate than the Ohio State quarterback. Like I'm, I'm sorry, right? I, once you know mm-hmm. who the Ohio State quarterback is, okay. When we come back, wait, let me do this though, Nathan. Nathan, I kind of want to tie up the Kyle McCord, what you learned from your reporting discussion, because I want the third segment to be the history of Ohio State first-year quarterbacks, how we should view a first-year quarterback versus a second-year quarterback, that kind of thing. Is there anything else? It's going to be in the story, so people can go read it. Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you have talked to people about that you want to share here on Buckeye Talk? 
You know, I was just trying to get an essence of who he is beyond just football stuff because we don't really we haven't talked to him that much since he's been here, and I didn't cover him in the recruiting process. Um, you know, his family says he's got a, a really fun, like like quick wit about him, like sense of humor that uh, I think probably helps around the team a, a little bit, and um, uh, a, a guy that like really uh, loves animals um, and has been had been trying to talk his his family into like letting him adopt a, a dog at some point. He, he had, uh, he, he had convinced them to like be a foster of a, a puppy. And um, I think last year, like when he went home for spring break and then that turned out to be a foster fail. Cause now they just have a puppy at the house now because mm-hmm. they, they all fell in love with it. And uh, he doesn't really have the time for that. I know that Justin Fields did when he was like living by himself during the pandemic, he had Uno uh, but I don't think that has fit into to Common Chords lifestyle yet. But uh, they have a lot of fun stories about him, like going off in the woods behind their house and like exploring for animals and, and like bugs and snakes and stuff like that. Just things that you wouldn't necessarily assume just from like looking at a guy who is you only ever see him in a football uniform, really, or going to him from practice. So uh, there's not a lot of that in the story because it really is still about his his growth as a quarterback. But I was trying to kind of get to some of the essence of him as a, a guy. And we'll see if he wins a job and is out in front of the cameras on a weekly basis. We'll see a lot more of that, I guess, in the coming months. It's a good interview. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, weird. It's very weird for a quarterback to talk as much as he did to anybody. Um, I talked to Kyle McCord a lot during the recruiting process because quarterbacks typically shut it down and, you know, because they try to get out of the spotlight after they've committed and don't really do as much with one. But I talked to him a lot. He's a great interview. We're going to like him. It's not his personality isn't completely CJ Stroud where it's, there were times when it felt like CJ Stroud was like, you know, kind of picking with us. He would go back and forth with you a little bit. It's not going to be that, that extreme, but he's a really good interview and he's a pretty smart kid. I think the dog thing is also, I'm not sure he lives by himself yet. Justin Fields is living by himself. Right. And I'm pretty sure like Marvin and the Mecca are not going for an animal. But yeah, he was definitely living alone during the pandemic when we were introduced to Uno. So Uno's a good dog. Hmm. Okay. Good dog name. So that's the, that's the story. So the headline of the Kyle McCord story is not Kyle McCord loves bugs, Nathan. That's not the that's not the thrust. That may be like a subhead. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I actually, I th- if the headline was Kyle McCord loves bugs, I'd probably click on it and be like, well, yeah. what, why does, why does, what does that have bugs? to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so go read that at cleveland.com slash OSU. When we come back, let's talk more sort of about Comacord's cohort in his recruiting class in the history of Ohio State first-year quarterbacks next on Buckeye Talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. So Kyle McCord, 247 composite ratings for quarterbacks in the class of 2021. He was eight. Seven guys who were ranked higher than him. Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers. Six. They put 247 sports messages up now. They put their ranking on top of the composite. I've got I've gotten oh. nick, yeah, I've gotten nicked up by that a couple of times too. You can just start to but I've, that's like messed me up a couple of times too. They're trying to promote okay. theirs a little bit more, so they put theirs on top. All right. The composite he is six. No, that's right. Mm-hmm. Drake ahead of Drake May. Pretty good. So other guys in that class. Quinn Ewers first in the composite starter at Texas last year. Caleb Williams, second in the composite starter, Heisman winner at USC last year. Sam Heward, third of the composite, got blocked by Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, transferred to lower-level Cal Poly this offseason. Just kind of like a weird deal. Brock Vandegrift, fourth in the composite. He is in the quarterback battle at Georgia to replace Stetson Bennett. He has only played 21 snaps in his career right now, which, and we'll get into how much Kyle McCord has played. That is a, many fewer snaps than Kyle McCord. So Brock Vandegrift basically hasn't played at all. And then J.J. McCarthy, fifth in the composite, the starter last year at Michigan. The only two guys that were ahead of the 247 rankings, Drake May, who in the composite is ninth, has been the starter at North Carolina, really good last year, high on NFL draft boards. And then this kid at Tennessee who had some issues at Tennessee, Caden Salter, and then left and went to Liberty and played at Liberty last year. But again, sort of like the guys ahead of him, Ewers, Caleb Williams, May, J.J. McCarthy, they've all been starters. But they were all in very different situations here. So I, I, there's nothing to be learned from that. It's not like, oh, man. What? It's like, well, I don't know. CJ, CJ Stroud wasn't blocking Quinn Ewers or Caleb Williams or J.J. McCarthy. So that's just how that worked out. The number of snaps, and I don't know if this came up, Nathan, at all. We talked about it a lot last year. He played 95 snaps, according to PFF, in 2021. He played 67 Last year, I counted up the drives he played. He played 16 drives as a freshman. Nine of them were the Akron game that he started. Then he played two against Rutgers, one against Maryland, one against Indiana, and three against Michigan State because that was the game where C.J. Stroud went crazy and threw six touchdown passes in the first half. So C.J. Stroud got out of there earlier than usual. And then last year, he had played 10 drives. One against Arkansas State, two against Toledo, one against Wisconsin, one against Rutgers, three against Michigan State, one against Iowa, one against Indiana. The two Toledo drives were touchdowns. All the other drives he conducted, Nathan, ended in punts other than the Indiana game, like the game ran out. There was a nine-play drive, and then the game ended. But they were punts because they didn't let him do anything. So it's 95 snaps in year one, 67 snaps in year two. 67 snaps is not terrible. I guess, again, Brock Vandegrift. So he's played more than 160 snaps in his career. Brock Vandegrift's played 20, right? Yeah. And and it wasn't, you know, like they were trying to look for a quarterback two years ago with Stetson Bennett, and they were moving guys in and out, and Brock Vandegrift didn't get in the, the mix. So I don't know if this came up at all. I was all verklempt about Kyle McCord not getting more action. The fact that after the Toledo game, it's one series, one series, three series, one series, one series, and like he barely got to throw, and they were all punts, and they're just handoff machines. I don't know. I still wish it would have been more. I don't know. Did anyone care, Nathan? Did it, were his parents like, how dare they not let him throw? No, I mean, like, listen, like, 
we've explored that in so many other avenues that I was taking most of this in a, in a different direction, but it was just from, from McCord himself and, and, you know, Corey Dennis, although I guess he's going to probably tow the, the company line, definitely a, a, an appreciation for what they do outside of the game scenarios, you know, going into making, you know, competitive practice scenarios and, and trying to make those stand up um, so that you don't have to try to parse the, the, whatever that weird line is that Ryan Day is trying to sometimes walk between what's to what, what's sportsmanship and what's not. Um, it's just, but as we talked about during the season, when this came up, it, when you look at it in the black and white on paper for common Accord, that seems like not that much, but then when you go compare it to every other quarterback in the country, every other backup in the same scenario, it, it's kind of the same. Those guys didn't play, you know, CJ Stroud didn't play many snaps behind Justin Fields took the job over the next year and was a Heisman Trophy finalist. Yeah. So Ohio State quarterbacks, what they did before they became the starter. Braxton Miller like kind of became a starter as a true freshman, so he did nothing. JT Barrett became the starter as a redshirt freshman. He did nothing. CJ Stroud did not throw a pass his first year. So those guys all had none. This is the most direct comparison. Kyle McCord in his career, 41 of 58 for 606. Most of that, he had a 300-yard passing game against Akron. People forget <laughs> when he had that start. Dwayne Haskins, 40 of 57 for 565. Mm-hmm. So he basically has the exact same passing numbers as Dwayne Haskins before Dwayne Haskins became the starter in 2018. Craig Krenzel, before he became the, two, the full-time starter in 2002, because he had started two games in 2001 at the end of that year, including the Michigan game. He had a start. He beat Michigan as a starter, so it's a little different. But he was 27 of 50 for 339 before he became the full-time starter. Todd Beckman was 7 of 10 for 86 yards before he became the full-time starter in 2007. Justin Fields, we know he was that wrinkle kind of running quarterback at Georgia as a freshman. He was 27 of 39 for 328 yards. So Kyle McCord has more completions and more passing yards than anybody on that list of Ohio State quarterbacks who then became starters. So I'm still mad, though. (laughs) I'm not changing my mind. (laughs) I think it's stats get in the way of my anger. No, no, no. I think because I don't think you were, you're not really talking about stats. You were just talking about, listen, like what what did I just say a few minutes ago? Like what's going to determine this? Like who executes the best? Like that's what Ryan Day cares about. It's like decision-making and execution and make a mistake, but don't make the same mistake twice. Learn from your mistake. And when you just hand it off, you don't get to do any of that. So, so I think what we were all saying at the time had merit, but also, what has merit is plenty of guys have succeeded when he didn't have the opportunity to have a bunch of reps, a bunch of passing reps previous. So in since Trestle, what's the modern era since Jim Trestle took over at Ohio state, 22 seasons. Some of this is a little rough because again, we are now sort of in the normal range of quarterback handoffs. There were not normal quarterback handoffs at Ohio state for like 15 years. It was weird. Every single time, oh, yeah. including when JT Barrett took over. Yeah. Right. I mean, this was so now it's like, oh, JT to Dwayne. Oh, that's normal. Dwayne was the backup the year before. They had a battle. Dwayne won. Dwayne's a starter. I mean, Justin's a little weird. It's like, oh, Tate Martell and Matthew Baldwin are here. No, they're not. The guy from George is coming. I mean, that's not okay. And then like CJ, completely normal. Didn't get to play much in the pandemic here, but okay, here you go. Now this, again, is going to feel completely normal. These are the two guys behind CJ last year. They're going to battle it out. The winner's going to start. So now it's like, oh, no, it's all good. But it was weird for a while, so it's a little bit hard to do this. Of those 22 seasons, 
in this century previously, starting with Jim Trestle's first year. 14 seasons with a returning starter at quarterback, eight seasons with a new starter at quarterback. So let's talk about the new starters at quarterback. 2002. You guys know how that one went? It was kind of a mess. (laughs) Oh, no, 2002. No, that one... They won a national title. Yeah, that was oh, the no, 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 national title. Yeah, it's yeah. A national title year. It was a messy. So Craig Krenzel. So yeah, Steve. So 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 Jim Tressel inherits Steve Belisari, yeah. and Steve Belisari starts in two thousand one, almost all year. Gets a DUI. Craig Krenzel makes two starts against Illinois and Michigan, beats Michigan, but then Steve Belisari starts the bowl game. So Craig Krenzel is coming in with two career starts, but he's never really been a starter before. He's the starter in two thousand two. They go undefeated. 2004, this is a mess because Krenzel mm-hmm. ends the starter in 2003. They're still good. 2004, they just get it wrong. And so they play Justin's Wick for the first six games. He starts the first six games. They go three and three, losing their last three. He gets hurt in the middle of the Iowa game. Troy takes over. Troy Smith goes four and one as a starter, including beating Michigan in 2004. Then he gets suspended for the bowl game. Zwick starts the bowl game. But so that's a that's an eight and four year, the last reset year of Ohio State. But that was with a new quarterback situation. And that was, again, the quarterback situation. They picked the wrong guy. They picked Justin Zwick, and then they went to the guy who eventually won the Heisman. So then 2005, Troy is back. By the way, again, I you guys want to revisit this for one second. Have we done have we done the 05 Texas game on Buckeye Rewatchables? Rewatchables, I mean. I think it was one of the first ones we did. God, it's so nuts. I wrote it down. Yeah, how they like started Justin's wick. So like then, Justin's like because yeah. Troy was still suspended for the opener that year. Yeah, and then the series in the Texas game: Zwick, Zwick, Smith, 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 Smith. Halftime: Smith, Zwick, Zwick, Smith, Zwick, Zwick, and then put Troy in for like the last play of the game. Yeah, like, at, oh, like, to no. get a safety. I remember that's doing Ridiculous. that because we were talking about. Imagine if Ohio State does that this year with CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord. Oh my god! Against Oregon, <laughs> what a mess! Jim Tressel, what are you doing? They each got say, "Oh, who are you playing?" Vince Young. It's like, who's your quarterback? Oh, I'm going to play about six series. We'll see what happens. One guy was like a cyclone against Michigan the year before. The other guy, he's okay. Let's play him equally. Ay ay ay. So anyway, so oh fourth nuts. Oh five. After that, then it's Troy. Oh six, it's Troy. Oh seven, Todd Beckman takes over. So now this is the third. Okay, the first time a first year starting back starting quarterback Nathan is Craig Krenzel. They win the national championship. 04, not great. They go eight and four. 07, Todd Beckman, who'd been around forever, takes over for a Heisman Trophy winner, and they make the national championship game, Nathan, with like a lot of talent around him. But again, that's I'm not saying that Kyle, I don't want Todd Beckman to be the comparison for Kyle McCord, but I always say this is one of the highlights of my time on the beat here. Me asking Todd Beckman if he thought he was a Heisman candidate, that's how well it was going at one point. He had a lights-out game at Penn State. It was like, I don't know. Is Todd Beckman going to win the Heisman? Sometimes you get swept up. But it's an example, Nathan, of like when the machine's pumping, right, you don't necessarily have to be Caleb Williams or Troy Smith or Braxton Miller for your team to win. So I'm not saying Kyle McCord is Todd Beckman. I'm saying Todd Beckman, as a first-year starting quarterback, had a lot of success which is a reminder of things, Nathan. Yeah, and I, I wasn't covering Ohio State football at that time, obviously. The one that always jumps out in my mind from just my time on earth watching college football is people may know that Tennessee won a national championship in the late 90s, 
And if, if you're just a casual college football fan, you'd be like, yeah, Peyton Manning was there. He was amazing. We're like, he was there and he was amazing. They won it the year after he left with a guy named T. Martin that um, a lot of people have, don't remember and, and some have maybe never even heard of who are listening to this podcast. Like those sort of things do happen that, so, that the, you can't just have a generational quarterback and you, you do have to have the whole thing. And, and then everything just has to line up perfectly too. Sometimes you have to not have Joe Burrow, LSU in your way, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, Yes, I, I think it's it's a good thing to remind people. And also, like something like Todd Beckman, like I don't know, it's like there aren't that many Todd Beckmans in the world either that like can come be the quarterback at Ohio State. Like it's not easy to do. Is Todd Beckman the inspiration behind Stetson Bennett? Are they the same quarterback? I don't know. Todd Beckman's like same age. Than Todd. I know, but the, the concept <laughs> no, though—they were both like these twenty-five-year-olds playing college football. Yeah. No, if if Ohio State had beaten LSU at the end of the 2007 season, the national championship game, we might have been doing like, I don't know, if they did the Heisman voting at the end of the season, maybe Todd Beckman should have won. That's not bad. Can I just say, I don't know what I this should, means. I don't I, know I, what my Todd Beckman, just a Todd Beckman's like a, he's just like a guy from like a rural town in Ohio. I don't even yeah. know how you do an impression of a guy like that. I, I just, by the way, I just I was going to look something up. So I Googled Todd Beckman and the number one, return on Todd Beckman is the long violent fall of tanning mogul Todd Beckman. And I don't think that's the same Todd Beckman, but I think I might want to go read that story and find out how a tanning mogul had a long violent fall. Wow. I think that's the more interesting Todd Beckman of the two. I think I misspelled tanning tanning mogul also sounds like a Georgia quarterback. Hey Kirby, who are you going with this year? Well, you know, it's gonna be might be Brock Vandergrift, might be Tanning Mogul. You know, we like what Tanning does. He throws off platform. Well done. Now I'm just going to do a tanning. Stetson Bennett's gone, but the tanning mogul impersonation is here to stay. So then the next time they have a first year starting. So then 2008, I didn't count 2008 as a first year starting quarterback because Beckman started the season. So it wasn't like, hey, uh oh, we're playing a new young quarterback. But then Terrell Pryor took over three, four games in. Right. And so they were trying to figure out how they're going to play Terrell Pryor. So again, talk about like weird stuff. That was like, oh, what happened? Oh, the guy who led us to the national championship game began the year as a starting quarterback, and then in September we went to a true freshman? Oh, well, that was kind of weird. That's not like if that, again, that happened now. Like, oh, my God. So, But I didn't include that because it wasn't like the offseason battle of, oh, what are you going to do? Because Beckman was still a starter. So then it's 11. 11 is just jacked up because Terrell Pryor gets suspended and leaves, and now it's Bozerman and Braxton Miller. They go 6-7, and seven, but it almost doesn't even count. So that's 2014. Braxton Miller gets hurt. Again, not normal. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened? Oh, we have this awesome quarterback who's been the starter for two and a half years, and then his shoulder fell off right at the end of practice in August. It's like, oh, who's going to play? This guy. This guy over here who's never played before. And I do think if we're doing like body parts, I was trying to think of my JT Barrett body parts, Steven. It's the butt. <laughs> I mean, it. It's the butt. <laughs> Buckeye talk. That's that's. I'm just going to take that. It's the butt. Just make that a cut. We just drop in. Because it is that, but it's also just like JT Barrett was just like, I don't want to say like had dead eyes, but like in the positive way of like, how do you express yeah. someone's like ice cold personality of like, I'm fine. Hey, oh my God, you're starting. I'm good. You've never played before. You tore your ACL in high school. I got it. Like that, that's such a, right? So yeah. 
that's such an overlooked uh, variable of that situation. It's like, oh, our quarterback's shoulder fell off. Who replaced him with? Oh, the guy whose knee exploded in high school. And so he hasn't yeah. been doing anything for a year. Do anything. <laughs> so, so that's another example. So the bottom line, as we're getting to here, Nathan, is that their last two national championships came with first-year starting quarterbacks, which, you know, is worth remembering. Is it not? Yeah, and again, you just go the more recent history. The last three first-year quarterbacks that Ryan Day has had were all Heisman Trophy finalists. Whether yes. it was Haskins or so the other three, like it's it's so it's 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 also becoming semi-common in the country. I mean, Stetson Bennett won it last year, first-year starting quarterback. Trevor Lawrence won it, first-year starting quarterback. To a first game starting quarter, first half starting quarterback. It's it's gradually becoming not. We, we were already seeing it with the awards a little bit, where that first year you're a starter. You know, Bryce Young wins it first year starting quarterback. He wins the Heisman Trophy. It's a little bit ha- becoming a little bit more of the norm within just like winning the the national championship in general, where you're not because quarterback play has just been so you know heightened over the past decade. I don't think it's as much of a detriment that you're a first-year starting quarterback because it might just mean, oh, you're a Heisman Trophy finalist, you're playing for a national championship. But I think the other thing that is the example there is Trevor Lawrence was, not that he wasn't good as a true freshman, but was playing on a national championship-worthy team already. Yeah, Stetson Bennett certainly was playing on a national championship-caliber team regardless of what he sort of did to help them. So that's the other factor there, too. And in both those cases, I don't know that it was really the – freshman quarterback lifting that team to a national championship or first year quarterback, I should say. No, it's almost like the NFL formula a little bit, right? When you have a young, talented NFL quarterback who's still in that rookie contract, that's when you go get all the talent and spend all the money there. And you can win with that formula to win a Super Bowl, or you can, you know, once he gets that real contract, then you maybe have to get some younger stars in there. So Nathan, as you mentioned, last three first year starting quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins, they only lose one game, Justin Fields, they go undefeated in the regular season and don't lose into the playoff. And then CJ Stroud, they lose the two games in 2021. Here's the thing though, where I do think I, I would say I'm just ignoring evidence. Buckeye talk. It's like, Oh, forget all the facts that I'm stating here. It's like, I'm just going to think what I think I would say. So, so 2018, right. They play a game in September at Penn state where they just cannot get anything going. And they wind up figuring it out late in the game. They throw a couple screens. J.K. Dobbins has two receptions for 61 yards, but they hit a couple screens and they have this rally. They have this great rally. They had rallied in 17 at home with J.T. Barrett. They rally with Dwayne Haskins at Penn State in 2018. And they win 27-26. Dwayne Haskins in that game, 22 of 39 for 270. It's like not exactly, it's like not the best of Dwayne Haskins. And it's in September against a ranked opponent on the road and they've kind of got to like figure it out right it is not it is not an ohio state offensive machine necessarily working on all cylinders in that game and then middle of the year at purdue i mean Dwayne puts up huge numbers but there remains this he's a nanosecond late on a ball to terry mclaurin mm-hmm. in the back of the end zone that gets knocked down that might have changed that game the defense lets them down in that game obviously because they can't tackle rondale more but also I guess I would say I would maybe slightly point to a couple things in the first half of the season where maybe you could see 
if it had been a fully, 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 fully mature veteran quarterback, maybe things are a little easier because then by the end, it's like, oh, it's the whole discussion all year. Dwayne, are you going to run? I don't know if I'm going to run. Then he runs against Maryland. Everybody's all excited. Then they beat Michigan. Like They drop a bomb on Michigan. All this stuff, right? We see the best of Dwayne at the end, throws for practically 500 in the Big Ten Championship game, goes on out, out on top against Washington in the Rose Bowl. But I think maybe I would point to stuff early in that season where it was still a maturing offense. And they did get tested against a top 10 opponent on the road, and they barely pulled it out. To all their credit, but it was tough. 2019, Justin Fields, first year starter. They don't play anybody. And we've covered that. They've covered it, right? But we just know that. It's just the way the schedule works out. Their non-conference is Cincinnati and Florida Atlantic. There's not a big-time non-conference game. And they just kind of get through people. And to your point, Stephen, right, you're talking about, hey, maybe in the course of that, eh, there's maybe a, every now and then a little looseness with the ball from Justin. It's not like he's not great but they haven't necessarily been tested. And then, again, I, I don't know that anybody would disagree with this. If C.J. Stroud's a second-year starting quarterback against Oregon, I think they win. No? Yes. Like, it, like there's an opportunity to win that game at the end. The defense lets them down. Josh Proctor breaks. It's like all these terrible things happen. But you're asking C.J. in his second career start to save them, and he can't quite save them. And he becomes a guy who is very capable of saving you. So all I'm saying in this is they have had remarkable success with first-year starting quarterbacks, including two national titles with Craig Krenzel and JT Barrett. But when I think about this, Stephen, right, I just have the things I just mentioned are a little bit in my head, especially... I'm not sure how good Notre Dame's going to be. I know Notre Dame is going to be playing a veteran quarterback in Sam Hartman, and that's going to be on the road. It maybe is going to remind me a little bit of that Penn State game that I think was in week four for Dwayne in 2018. It was in week five. This is going to be week four at Notre Dame. And it's, it is just a – Kyle McCord's not going to be, I don't think, because I don't think any of these guys have been, the best quarterback he's ever going to be in week four of his first year as a starter. By the Michigan game, he might be. By the Michigan game, he might be ready to let it set on fire. But I just wonder about that, Stephen. It's just in my head a little bit. Is this is this Doug is afraid of first year starting quarterbacks rearing its ugly head? Yes and no, because I think there is a point there, and you found some facts to back it up. Um, so it's not just uh, here are the facts and I'm just ignoring them. Because even the CJ scenario, because the defense gave him an opportunity like that again against Utah even if they gave up 35 points. I mean, the defense kind of got its act together in the second half and CJ started saving them, him and Jackson. So there's your proof right there. Hey, can the defense give the quarterback an opportunity to save them? And can the quarterback actually do it? You're using Ohio State examples. I'll use Bryce Young as an example as well in 2020 because he didn't go undefeated. Earlier in the season, he wasn't great against Texas A&M. The stats say he was, but he wasn't. He was, uh, he was kind of all over the place. He looked like a first-year starting quarterback, and they win the game. Later on in the season, it's when he's playing Georgia and he's a better – and even the Auburn game where it's like he's got to lead a 90-yard comeback, he's more ready to do that. So I think you are right in thinking there's going to be a moment where Kyle McCord looks like a first-year starting quarterback. And every first-year starting quarterback on the planet every year going forward, there's going to come a moment where they look like that when they finally play a good team. It just so happens that for Dwayne Hackens, it was a second time because he played TCU, who was pretty decent, but neutral field game where it was kind of a different type of game. It wasn't a Big Ten game. The pro the question is, is it going to matter? 
whether or not when he finally looks like a first-year starting quarterback, does it actually lead to a loss? For C.J. Stroud, for Bryce Young, uh, J.T. Barrett, Dwayne Haskins later on down the line, it eventually ended up giving them a loss because the team was good enough to do it, but also whatever flaw Ohio State was dealing with also showed up in in the worst possible way that day, the Purdue game. The defense have been an issue all year. Tackling has been an issue all year. It finally shows its head in a way that they can't really overcome when they get Rondell Moore on the field with them. JT Barrett being that young, along with all the other young pieces, they end up losing to Virginia Tech. So the, whether it's Notre Dame, uh, Michigan State, maybe if they have a better year, Penn State, when they come to town, wherever that game comes, does Ohio State have an inerrant flaw that also shows up on the day where your starting quarterback looks like a first-year starting quarterback? Because if so, you're probably going to lose. If not, then it just probably is going to lead to a close call. I really do think for me it's it's September. First-year starting quarterbacks in September, and you make a great point with the Virginia Tech game. Ohio State didn't know what it was looking at against Virginia Tech. JT Barrett was 9 of 29 mm-hmm. in the Virginia Tech loss in 2014. Three picks. Now, it's not just on him. The whole offense didn't know what they were looking at with what Virginia Tech threw at them in that game. But that's just where I am, Nathan. And that is that is a first-year quarterback discussion. That's not a common core discussion. I would apply that to Devin Brown. I would apply that to anybody coming through here, which is why I I don't know, whatever whatever I do. I, I, I perhaps pull back my expectations when there's a first-year starting quarterback As we're saying here, often Ohio State has enough talent and enough good coaching and the quarterback sucks it up and finds a way that they overcome it. But I think especially that Notre Dame game in week four, when Notre Dame we expected to be playing a veteran quarterback, that's going to be in my head, Nathan. Even if Kyle McCord comes out or Devin Brown or whoever throws for 400 yards a game in the first three games, that's still going to be in my head a little bit going into week four. I think that's fair. I mean, it's not like C.J. Stroud came in as a second-year quarterback and lit it up against Notre Dame this past year. They had to find a, a different way to, to win that game. But I think it's, I think I feel the same way about this that Steven does, that it's, it's a matter of, yes, any quarterback, there's going to be some ups and downs. You can't have – the rest of this team has improvement it has to make too. This offensive line, this running game that was uneven at times last year and the injuries played into that. And certainly the defense has to take a step forward. If, if, if any of those things takes a step back or doesn't improve enough, then it leaves them vulnerable. I don't think that the most likely scenario right now is for a common cord to come in and do Joe Burrow things this year and just, and just make it look like a video game. They can be a very good quarterback or Devin Brown, whoever. Like, I don't think that's what I see in the future for this team. I think the, 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 the floor should be still pretty high, though. And that's the other thing to remember here, too, is that some of those past examples, like, just, again, I think you could just lean on the, the recent history here from Haskins to Fields to Stroud to end Fields was a different scenario because he wasn't originally recruited by Ohio State, whatever. But the infrastructure here, the way Ryan Day um, has developed quarterbacks and just the system that's in place, I think the floor should be pretty high. I don't think also that there's much likelihood that this thing just collapses, whoever they pick as a quarterback. But I think Steven's right that if if any of these things are still hanging out there, because I was at that Purdue game in 2018 and Dwayne Haskins isn't why they lost that game. And even the C.J. Stroud, uh, the Oregon loss, I think C.J. Stroud might win that game a month later, let alone a year later, mm-hmm. but he was hurt not alone, let alone being inexperienced. And he did have a lot of, Ohio State had a lot of self-inflicted things that day that the quarterback couldn't overcome. 
So I think that's the other big factor here is like a lot of things, the quarterback should be strong enough to make this a championship contender, but it can't be at the expense of, of having to, to make up for a huge deficiency somewhere else. Cause that, that's not how national championship teams win. And it also, I do think the ceiling is potentially super duper high. As long as you're throwing to yep. Marvin Harrison Jr. Sure. and Emeka Buka and you're running this style of offense, that there is great opportunity there and they've got to get the tackles figured out. They've got to block it up, but it feels like, you know, and again, this is a comic court podcast. We talked about it. it feels like he's got some skills that if there's trouble, I don't think it's going to take him down right off the bat, right? I think he has a chance to escape trouble and find ways to make plays. And then when he does that, he's going to have two of the best receivers in college football, a returning tight end, a, a multitude of veteran running backs, and Julian Fleming, Stephen, like in the mix, there is, I do think, again, this is not, nobody thinks this is not, this is not nine and three. Nobody thinks this has fallen off a cliff. This really, to me, is a conversation about how they look in week four against Notre Dame. And then I think how high does the ceiling get by the end of the year? Man, if it clicks for everybody, Drew Aller versus Kyle McCord in Ohio Stadium in the back third of the season could be awesome. And then J.J. McCarthy, Kyle McCord, we know what that's all about. That could be tremendous. Like This could be awesome, awesome quarterback play, Stephen. And I just think don't get derailed as any young quarterback gets his feet under him. And then by the time we get to November, man, Stephen, this could be – this has a chance to be through the roof for this offense. I think that bye week being the week after the Notre Dame game is a very good thing because you can feel like a come up for air moment. Let's, you know, where's Kyle McCord at now? And not in the sense of like, oh, should Devin Brown take the job from him? Just the sense of you've had some like kind of build up games, some preseason games per se for what college football is. You played a Big Ten game and now you've played a pretty solid opponent. We, I, we're going to have a good idea after week four heading into that bye week of what Kyle McCord is. And because I, I think that the ceiling is kind of unreal. It's unrealistically hyperbolically high here. It can very much go because of how much he has around him. What Mac Jones's statistics were in 2020, what Dwayne Haskins statistics were in 2018, his first year starters, but they had all this around him that he's completing 72% of his passes, averaging 360 yards and three touchdowns a game, just because that's what this offense can do when it's really clicking. But it can also, because he's new at this, it can look like that. And he gets to the Notre Dame game and his stat line looks a little bit like what CJ Strouds was this past year because he finally looks like it's, and it's less because, Oh, they lost Marvin Harrison, the aliens, knocks on wood or any other like player who they built the entire offense around to aliens and more just because he looks like a first year starting quarterback. But both of those are on the table there, but it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle and continuing to maybe creep up to whatever the stats were with Dwayne Haskins and Matt Jones, just because this offense does accumulate stats over a while. But I do think four games in a big 10 game two basically preseason games where he's probably not playing in the fourth quarter because they're up by 60 and a quality power five opponent is a good indicator of what we think Kyle McCord can be and whether or not we think they can win a national title with him as a starting quarterback and the other pieces defensively, of course. All right. So we have the NFL combine ahead next week and then spring football starts the week after that. The basketball season is winding down and we have all this stuff. So we'll keep bringing it to you on Buckeye Talk. We'll keep bringing it to you at cleveland.com 
slash OSU. As we record this on late Tuesday afternoon, I do have multiple interviews scheduled with coaches of other Ohio State programs. I have one scheduled with the women's hockey coach. I have one scheduled with the women's basketball coach. I have one scheduled with the wrestling coach. I am finalizing one with the men's tennis coach, and I'm hoping to get the men's hockey coach, and then I'll, I'll keep looking around because I do, I do want to talk about what it's like to try to win at Ohio State. We're not going to, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert in women's hockey. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert in wrestling, but I want to talk about building programs. I want to talk about recruiting. I want to talk about the standard. I want to talk about what it's like to be a head coach at this university and try to win. So we'll have a couple of those that we we will uh, be bringing you over the next several podcasts. And then we will have the Ryan Day era defense draft. At the end of this week is the plan. So if you have not listened to it, I would direct you back to our our draft from the offensive side of the ball that we put up last Friday. We'll do the defensive side of that, I think, on this Friday. So just make sure you're subscribed to Buckeye Talk so you don't miss anything. Go read the Kyle McCord story. Read everything else these guys are putting up at cleveland.com slash OSU. And if you'd like to try the text, you can do that at 614-350-3315. Oh, also a Big Ten theme. On the second College Football Survivor Show this week, Shahan J. Haraja and I are going to rank once USC and UCLA get here in 2024, what do we expect the order, the hierarchy of the Big Ten to be with those 16 teams when that 2024 season starts? We will do that uh, later this week on the College Football Survivor Show. For now, for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.